George Frederick Handel was born in Germany, but moved into England and began his, uh, his life there, his career. Interesting that he was born in the same year of another famous German composer, Johann Sebastian Bach. But Handel, he found himself around 1740 and he was in a lot of debt. In fact, he was fearful that he would be put in the London's debtor prison because he could not pay his creditors. But things began to change for him when the Duke of Derbyshire called out to him, wrote to him and said, would you come to Dublin, Ireland, the capital, and would you put on some concerts and we will pay you and we're going to also bless many of the charitable organizations here in our country. And he said, you know, things began to change and uh, my fortunes began to increase. And then another man contacted him, a man by the name of Charles Jennings. And Charles Jennings was a wealthy landowner in England. And he wrote a letter to Handel and he said, I have composed some lyrics and based on the Old Testament and the New Testament and it really is the gospel. I have composed the gospel out of the Old and New Testaments, and I would like for you to take these lyrics, and you are a genius composer. Would you write an oratorio on these lyrics? And so Handel began the work that we know today as his Messiah. It's interesting what this man did. You know, geniuses, they have all kinds of idiosyncrasies and eccentricities and just plain weirdness about them. He, he got into this room, and, and he did, hardly didn't even come out. I think people had to give him food. And for seven days, he locked himself in his room, and he created the Christmas section of the oratorio. Nine days later, he finished the second section, which is entitled The Redemption. And then in less than a week, he finished what is known as worthy is the lamb that was slain. And it was an immediate success. April the 13th, 1742, in Dublin, Ireland, they performed the first of millions of performances of Handel's Messiah. The 53rd stanza of Handel's Messiah is entitled, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, and Handel literally took the very text that we are going to read today, and Jennings had already composed it, and he extrapolated, he extracted literally the very same words that I'm going to read in a moment, and he put them to pen, and then Handel put them to music, and it sounded something like this. Let's, let's just listen to a little bit of the 53rd stanza of Handel's Messiah.
Okay, that's good. Good night. All right, that, that song was literally taken from this very text that I'm about to read, and i got to ask you to stand. Would you stand in the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ, for whom all of heaven is going to break out in a crescendo of applause, and the text is Revelation chapter 5. Let's put it on the screen, beginning in verse 8. Now when Jesus had taken the scroll, remember the Biblion, the book, out of the hand of the Father, the four living creatures, remember those four ominous cherubim-like angelic creatures of God that God created. God created them for praise and for judgment. And the 24 elders, remember that represents all the redeemed, all mankind that's been redeemed. And they fell down before the Lamb. Now before they had fallen down and worshiped the Father, okay, and now around the same throne they are worshiping the Lamb, each having, the 24 elders, each one of them had a harp, watch this, and they had golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they, the redeemed, sang a new song, and they said, you are axios, you are most worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were sfatso. It means to be butchered. It means to be maimed. It means to die a horrendous death. For you were butchered, and you have igorasas. You have redeemed us. Literally, you have purchased us off the slave market. You have redeemed us to God by your church. Let's say it. What is it? By the blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them, John says, was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Guess what? That's a lot. That's a lot of them. Innumerable angels saying with a loud voice, and Handel and Jennings, you got it right, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches, remember that, and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in or on the sea and all that are in them, I heard them say, This is the third stanza, blessing and honor and glory and power be to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and forever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and they worshiped Him who lives forever and ever. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Today what we're going to do is we're going to study this passage of Scripture, Revelation 5, 8 through 11, and the way we're going to do it is we are going to study the three stanzas of the song. Stanza number one is verses 9 and 10, stanza two is verse 12, and stanza three is verse 13. There are three songs. Stanza one is sung by the redeemed, by those human beings 
who were purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ to the honor and the glory of God the Father, and they, we, will break forth in a mighty crescendo of praise, and we will praise God for the Lamb who was slain so that we could be redeemed and reconciled to Almighty God. That stanza one. Stanza two is not us at all. It is these angelic beings, and they are praising God for His honor and His glory and His power, and they are praising God not because they had been redeemed, but because God had redeemed humanity. And then stanza three, which is very fascinating to me, stanza three is everybody. I mean, what an exhaustive, all-encompassing way to describe it. Everybody, at one time in eternity, they are going to praise the Lord. When I say everybody, I mean everybody. All Muslims, all Hindus, all peoples, nations, and tribes Though they will not spend eternity with Him in heaven, they will bow their knee and say, worthy, you are worthy. You are the Lamb of God. How could I have ever missed it? But it will be eternally too late, but they will still have to praise Him. Now, you don't get much more exclusive than that, do you? I've just ruffled a lot of people's feathers. Can you imagine this message being broadcast and preached out there? And by the way, it will. And you say, you've got to be kidding me. What's so special about Him that I will have to bow my knee and worship Him? He died for you. He shed His blood for you. He was placed in a borrowed tomb for you and raised God up from the grave. He arose and He did it all for you so that you would not have to live a life of shame and guilt and sin so that you could be forgiven and cleansed and you could spend forever in heaven. That's why we praise Him. That's why we will spend eternity praising Him. I love the way one writer puts it. He he just summarizes, he encapsulates this whole pericope, this whole passage when he writes these words, the appearance of the Lamb. The appearance of the Lamb as He moves to the scroll. He takes the scroll and it causes praise to break out from everywhere in the universe. The praise accelerates in an ascending crescendo of worship as the oratorio of redemption reaches its climax. This author goes on to say, to the two majestic doxologies of chapter 4, there's added now three more doxologies of praise in chapter 5. That's what we're going to study today. The spontaneous outburst of worship results from the realization that the long-anticipated defeat of sin and death and Satan is about to be accomplished, and the Lord Jesus Christ will return to this earth in triumph and establish His glorious millennial kingdom, end of quote. Thank you, Dr. MacArthur. That is a great summation of what we're going to be looking at today. So, in your notes, write these words, stanza number one. This is the song of the redeemed, okay? Now, before we actually get into the message of the song of the redeemed, I want to take just a moment and share with you in verse eight about the harp and about the bowls of incense, okay? So, in verse eight, it says, now when Jesus had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, and each one of them had a harp, okay? And each one of them had bowls of incense. Now, whenever you see harps in this context, it reminds you of many times in the Old Testament, harps were used for praise. 
to praise the Lord. Let me give you a couple of examples out of the Old Testament. Blessing and riches. There you go. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood and harps on stringed instruments, on tambourines and sistrums and cymbals. Did you get that? On harps. All of these instruments they are singing or they're playing their praise uh, to, to the Lord. All right? So when, it, when you look at it in this context, think about the harp as a means of praise. But also, when harps oftentimes are used in the Bible, there is a connotation of prophecy. Okay? There's this connotation of prophecy. Let, let me read you a couple of verses here. Now, of the sons of Jeduthun, and there they are. Amen. I can't even begin to pronounce their names, but he had a bunch of boys, and there they are. There were six of them under the direction of their father, Jeduthun, who, watch this, 1 Chronicles 25.3, they prophesied with a harp, and they gave thanks and praise to the Lord. So whenever you see these 24 elders or all this redeemed humanity in heaven, when we take our harps and we begin to play, we are doing that in praise, and we are doing it in fulfillment of prophecy. And by the way, the book of Revelation is prophecy. It is what is going to happen in the future of the world. Number two is this bowls of incense. In your outline there, it's under number one, A, you see it, is harp, B is bowls of incense. Now, this is easy because it tells us exactly that the bowls full of incense are the prayers of the people of God. Let me give you a couple of scriptures that illustrate this. Psalm 141.2 says, let, me, let my prayer be set before you as what? as incense. So somehow there is this interconnection between this wafting of this beautiful aroma into the nostrils of God. It, it represents the prayers of the people of God, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Let me give you another one in Luke in the New Testament, chapter 1. According to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense, and he went into the temple of the Lord. Watch this. And the whole multitude of people, they were what? They were praying. So harps, think of praise and think of prophecy. But when you see this bowl of incense, think of prayers praying outside at the hour, it says, of incense. Now, what are these prayers? What are these prayers? I've read three very different interpretations of what the prayers of the people of God mean in Revelation 5, 8. Let me give them to you. Number one, it's the prayer of the Lord's Prayer. It goes something like this, our Father may your will be done on earth, help me, as it is in heaven. That is the prayer wafting up to God. Oh God, would you come, would you reign on planet earth? By the way, planet earth is in utter turmoil and disarray. And that, you know, I don't have a hard time convincing you guys that it's bad on planet earth and it's going to be bad. And it's going to be awful. And that those on earth are crying out to God, oh God, would you come and save the day? Number two, some believe that these prayers are literally the prayers of the tribulation martyrs. We will study this interesting group of people. They are martyred and they are slain. Their blood is spilt because they pay allegiance to Jesus Christ on planet earth in the great tribulation. And some believe that the prayers here in this bowl of incense is the prayer of the tribulation martyrs. Number three, some people, myself included, believe more that this is a generic way of just praying 
that God, would you come? And God, would you redeem? God, would you make right all the wrongs on planet Earth? I love the way my, one of my mentors describes this. And he, by the way, he's just written or just published an excellent commentary on the book of Revelation, Dr. Paige Patterson. Let me read this little quote. Just as incense is a sweet savor in the human nostrils, so the supplications of God's people have always been sweet to the God of all creation. The bowls full of the incense, which are the prayers of the saints, is an indication that the Lamb is the answer to the most fervent, heartfelt prayers of the people of God. Okay? So this is the preliminary. This is the This is the intro, if you will. Now we get into the actual stanza number one, the message. And I want you to write down two words that both of them start with R as we look at the message. Number one is the word redemption. If you're taking notes, write the word redemption and skip down just a little bit in your notes there and write the word responsibilities. And first of all is the word redemption. Now, this really is the heartbeat of what I wanted to share with you today. Look at verse 9. And they sang, now remember they are the redeemed community, the saints of God. We sing a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll. Now remember the scroll in the hand of the Father is the title deed to planet earth. And this scroll contains the judgments of God that is going to be unleashed on planet earth because of our sin, because of the the, the obstinacy, because of the rejection, because of the shaking of the fist up to God Almighty, because of all the satanic, demonic delusion on planet earth, I'm telling you, it's going to be a time. And Jesus comes and He takes that scroll from the hand of the Father and He has the ability to enact the very judgments contained therein, Revelation 6 through 19. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because, watch this, verse 9, you were, you were butchered. Sfatso means, it's hard for me to describe it. You you get close to it when you see what ISIS did to that American photographer. That's, That's that word, basically. It means to be butchered. Jesus did that. For you. You tell me any other religious leader who did that. You tell me any other prophet, priest, king, queen, dignitary who ever was butchered, bloodshed, so that you might have eternal redemption. And they are praising him. They are saying, You are worthy because you were slain and you have redeemed us. You have reconciled us to God. We were, we were astray. We were far away from you, God. And your son, Jesus Christ, he shed his blood. He appeased your holy wrath. He bridged the chasm. He bridged the muddy gulf and the gap. And only Jesus Christ could do that. And what he did was he brought almighty God the Father in his holiness and mankind in his sinfulness and God the Son. He brought us together. You say, and how did he do that? He shed his blood. He died. You see, friends, this is the pure, unadulterated gospel. This is the message of Christianity. This is the apex of our faith. This is the pinnacle of our faith. No other religion has this. A propitiation, an expiation, a sacrificial death, a son of God that would love us so much, he would die on a cross. 
and arise from the dead so that you could be forgiven of your dastardly, sinful deeds and you would be white clean as the driven snow and you could enter into the very glory and the throne of God because somebody loved you enough to die for you. And you know what his name is? Anybody want to help me? Jesus. By the way, the title of the sermon today is The Lion and the Lamb. The Lamb of God, slain, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the what? But the blood of Jesus. Now, they're praising Him, they're thanking Him, they're honoring Him. And He says, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and ethnos. Did y'all know that in heaven there will be people from every tribe on planet earth? God will reach down in His sovereignty and in His grace and He will save at least some out of every tribe in every nation through his blood. You say, Brother Dan, I don't know if y'all talk about that blood thing. That's kind of gory. And that kind of makes me spiritually nauseated a little bit because blood, that connotes, you know, that just danger. And I, I don't know. Listen, guys, were it not for blood, can I just tell you something? As you sit there in the comfort of America, if somebody had not shed their blood in the eastern seaboard of these United States of America and obtained your redemption, if you will, obtained your patriotism, obtained your right to live and to worship and, and, and won that price over the English armies. If they had not shed their blood, you wouldn't be sitting here on the shores of Tripoli in Pearl Harbor. World War I, World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq, name it all. Those men died so that you could live in freedom, so that you could worship God right here, right now. They shed their blood. So no, I, I, can't, I can't just keep it to myself. I've got to say, it's because that blood was shed, freedom is gained, freedom is earned because blood was shed. And... I mentioned him a minute ago. He, <laughs> I may have told you this story before. It's just too good not to tell again. Dr. Patterson, they flew him out to Hollywood when the Prince of Egypt movie was being previewed. And they picked him up at, in the, what do you call those things when you land your big plane in? Airport, amen. <laughs> Isn't it amazing what you can remember and what you can't remember? Some of y'all going, welcome to the 50s, brother. It's, it goes down from there. So they pick him up at the airport. They put him in a limousine. And Dr. Patterson, he, he rides to this theater. And they said, you're one of the best theologians in America. We want to know what you think about the Prince of Egypt. Critique it. And so he did. They did not know that in the middle of the movie, he was going to make a scene. In the middle of the movie... You remember the story how when the death angel came, and in the movie it said the death angel came, and when they saw the what over the doorpost? They didn't call it that. They called it the mark. He went bonkers on them. 
He went ballistic on them. He stood up in the middle of the theater. He says, stop it. It's not a mark. It was blood. And you know what they did? They put it back in the script. Because he stood up, because he knew, guys, we know. As followers of Christ, were it not for bloodshed, we would have no redemption. Now, the, the redeemed of heaven, they are praising Him. They are worshiping Him because He has redeemed us to God. And then it says, and have made us a kingdom. Really, a better translation is a kingdom. You have given us a kingdom. I believe that to be the millennial kingdom, the reign of Christ for a thousand years, Revelation 20. And you have made us priests to our God. One writer put it like this. To be a priest means we get to work, worship, serve, and praise. Work, worship, serve, and praise. Uh, uh, Pastor O'Chester and I were talking yesterday about this very thing. What are we going to do in heaven? And he and I both were like, I don't rightly know everything we're going to do in heaven, but part of what we're going to do in heaven is praise God and worship God. And then we're going to do whatever else God wants us to do in heaven And who knows what all that will entail? I'm just glad I'm going. How about you? (laughs) I'm just glad I'm going to get to be there. And it's because Jesus shed his blood. That's how I get to go there. And we shall reign on the earth. We will be commissioned by God in somehow, some way. We will be royalty. We will reign on planet earth when Jesus comes and saves the day. That's stanza number one. Can y'all stand for stanza number two? Don't literally stand, but can you endure with me for just a few more minutes? Oh, son. Okay, here we go. Hope I can get through it. Verse 11. John said, I looked. That's the fourth time. Okay, it's important in this text, in this chapter. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels. Now, stanza two the angelic song. Now, we don't get to sing this song. We get to sing the first stanza. And around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the, I'm in verse 11 of Revelation 5, and it says the word number. The Greek word is arithmos. Does that sound familiar? For those of you mathematicians, arithmetic, that's where we get that word. And the number, the arithmos of them was, oh, listen, this is so fun. John's just going, oh my word, there's thousands, there's thousands, there's thousands, they're everywhere, there's thousands. These angels are everywhere. And literally in the Greek it says, and the number of them was myriados, myriadon. Myriados, myriadon, myriads is the English word. And then it says, kilias and kilias, tens of thousands and thousands of thousands. There's a bunch of them, Lord, everywhere. There are angels. And John, he's in this vision and he sees this. Guys, if If we could only see, the things of this earth are temporary, but the things of God and heaven above, they are for eternity. If you're weak and you're weary and you're thinking, oh, is heaven really worth it? Is it worth all the the service to God and living for God and all the… Yes, 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 it's worth it. And if only you could see it, just get a glimpse of it with Jesus reigning in heaven above and these angels flying around and they sing. Here's what they sing mercy. Where'd the words go? There they are. Saying with a loud voice, a megalophone, here it comes. Worthy is the lamb who was slain, sphoxo, not for us. Do you notice that? Not to redeem us. It just, it's just praising him. He is worthy 
to receive... Okay, there are seven of these. Let, let me go through these quickly. Are you there? In Revelation 5, 12. By the way, I've got all of this in a manuscript, all the, the Greek words, all the stories, all the illustrations. I've gone over this like up 10 million times. That's why I don't really need my notes as much today. I could not wait. Oh, I could not wait to get here today. Somebody here today. Oh, glory to God, you needed to be here today. You are in hell on earth, and you're wondering, is there a God? Is He alive? Does He care? Is He real? Does He have any power? And you came today, and I don't know who invited you, and I don't know what broadcast you're watching, I don't know what internet you're on, but somehow, some way, you got into the presence of the Word of God, and now your life is gloriously changed. Because you see, there's hope, and there is a God who is worthy to be praised. And here's what they say, there's seven of them. And let's go through them quickly. Oh, mercy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive, write the word dunamis, dunamin, explosive. That's where we get the English word dynamite. To receive power and pluton, riches, wealth untold, and Sophia, wisdom. That's where you get the root more word of sophomore. They think they know everything. Amen. Sophomore, wisdom, and strength. Okay? Strength. Iskos means strength of a hidden reserve strength. I'll come back to that later. Honor, timion, which means esteem, and glory. I love this word. Glory is doxa. Doxa is where we get the word doxology. It means His essence, His radiance, His majestic being. You are worthy because of just who you are. Your essence and eulogian, eulogy, blessing, which is another word for praise. Now, this is the song of the angels, verses 11 and 12. Now, let's go to stanza 3. Stanza 3 is fascinating to me. In heaven above, there's coming a day, John says, that every creature which is in heaven... Now, listen to this as I read it again. The exhaust, exhaustive, all-encompassing nature of everybody who has to praise Him. Whether you're in heaven, earth under the earth. Some people, that's a reference to Hades or hell. That's wherever you are. Listen, if you have been born, by the looks of it, most of you have today. You have been born. Everybody who has been born, everybody who will ever be born, they are going to acknowledge the sovereignty of God and the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Did you know that? Let me say it again. If this book is right, if it's not, we just need to leave. We need to close the, the building. We need to do something else if this book is a farce. But if it's right, and I certainly believe it is, would be willing to lay down my life to say that this book is right, then every person, every creature, heaven, earth, under the earth, as such as are, some say, at this, at this time, there are people on the seas, if you will. Was it three-fourths of our world is sea, ocean? What he's saying here is everybody, you, you, everybody, everywhere from all time, they will say these words, and here it is. Blessing. Oh, listen to this. In the Greek New Testament, when, when it gets to this point, it's very interesting. In the Greek New Testament, in verse 13, can we put verse 13 up there for just a second? Every single one of these words is preceded 
by a definite article. Our English translations don't bring that out, but I'm, 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 every one of them has the in front of it. The blessing, the eulogian, the timon, the doxa, and the, watch this, it's not dunamin, it's kratos. Son. Even those who did not bow their knee and acknowledge Him, one day they will say, and you alone have the kratos. You are the sovereign all. Who am I? Who am I to stand here and preach this sermon? I've never felt so unqualified. A mere mortal stand here in the presence of God. I'm just so unworthy, but I love him so. Church family, just stay with me. I've never felt this way in 30 years of preaching. Because I'm just a mere mortal being. And I get to stand and proclaim His glory and His praise. And I'm just absolutely overwhelmed. His kratos. It says, be to Him, watch this, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb when you worship one. You worship both. Don't miss that. There's one throne. There's one Father and one Son. And when you worship the Father, you're going to worship the Son. And when you worship the Son, you're going to worship the Father. And they all will say, and to the Lamb forever and forever. I was listening to Adrian Rogers preach a sermon years ago about this. And he said, this was actually in 2007. I'm driving down the road and I'm listening to him preach. And he was talking about Christology. And if you ever come across a Christology that, is, that does not acknowledge Jesus as the eternal Son of God, then it is not a true Christology. Buddhists say he's a great man, a prophet. He's cool. Muslims say he's a special prophet. Jehovah Witnesses say. He's, he's special. He's the Son of God. So Adrian Rogers says, the Jehovah Witnesses came to my house and knocked on my door, and I thought, bless their souls. <laughs> you, mercy. Knocking on the door of Adrian, Adrian Rogers. And just like only Adrian Rogers' preacher could do, he said, well, hello, gentlemen. He said, let me ask you a question before we ever begin. And they said, sure. He said, do you worship Jesus Christ? They said, oh, we, we believe in Him. He says, okay, good. Do you worship Jesus? They said, oh, we believe He's the Son of God. Adrian Rogers said, great. Do you worship Him? They said, we give thanks to His name. He said, do you worship Him? They said, we praise the name of Jesus. He said, do you worship Him? They said, no. Because he's not God. And Adrian Rogers said, but yes, he is. Let me open up this book and show you where Jesus Christ is God. And he could have taken them right here to this text. And they said, uh, sir, I think we've got the wrong house. <laughs> I think it's time for us to slip, slip on out. 
Similar thing happened to me in a restaurant. Jehovah Witness says, you and I believe in the same God and Jesus. It's all good. I said, no, it's not. And it, it was a moment. I mean, standing there in the restaurant, people were looking at me, and I'm not a very confrontational person by nature, but I just said, your Jesus is a created being. There was a time he never existed. My Jesus of the New Testament is almighty God in the flesh, the eternal Son. And there it is. They are worshiping him. And finally, in verse 14, it says, this, this scene, this heavenly worship scene, it closes, and John says, then the four living creatures said, <laughs> they said, amen. You know what that word means? It means, let it be. In the Greek New Testament, it's an imperfect tense. And if you studied the tenses, imperfect means it's continuous action in past tense. It's amen. Amen, 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 amen. And if they just keep saying amen, yes, let it be. And then the 24 elders, redeemed humanity, fall down and worship him who lives forever and ever. That's what heaven is going to be. It's going to be all about Almighty God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, angels, living creatures, redeemed humanity, and we'll be worshiping him praising Him, honoring Him, and it will be glorious. Let me ask you a question. Will you be there? Will you? I dare say many of you will not. Many of you listening here, right here, right now, will not be there. Some of you listening on television some of you live feeding us right now, you will not be there because it's one thing to know about Jesus. It's another thing to know Him, to really know Him, to serve Him. I don't have many original thoughts, but I had to write this one down. Let me, let me give you this, and then we're done. Everybody will praise God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ. Many will do so with ecstatic joy, but most will do so with piercing regret. Did you catch the many most? Many will praise Him with ecstatic joy, but most, and that includes most on planet earth, Jesus said, broad is the way that leads to destruction, that leads to everlasting hell. But narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And he said, I am eternal life. I am the way. I am the truth and I am the life. Some of you got to get, some of you need to get beyond that. Some of you have this, well, that's just myopic and that's just provincial and that's just so intolerant and I just don't, listen, gravity's intolerant. Take an apple, Newton, take a whatever, drop it. Guess what? It's Whether you like it or not, it's not going up. It will never go up. I used to jump from there. Watch this. <laughs> Woo! A jump. I had to jump. It's, it's a law of gravity. The, the, the universe is filled with laws, unalterable laws of physics and chemistry. You cannot change them. It's just that way. It's just this way. We don't really get a vote on it. We can bend our knee and admit it now, or we'll have to bend our knee and regretfully admit it then. So what will you do? Will you believe? Listen, if you don't, 
You will spend an eternity separate from God and you'll hear the sermon. You will say on that hot August day, I thought to sleep with my girlfriend as many times as I want to and enjoy my partying and my life. I thought that would be better than heaven. What an idiot I was. What an absolute fool. I traded a few moments of pleasure for an eternity separated from a holy God. Listen, I was doing that. I I had that mindset until Almighty God reached down to me and said, believe. And I believed. Listen, is the Spirit of God telling you to believe? You know, Jesus said you can't even believe unless he, He calls you to believe. Is He calling you to believe? If He is, then believe. Become one of His children. So, Father, we come before you in a very solemn, ominous hour of redemption. Lord, Handel got it right. Jennings got it right when they said, the Lamb is worthy. Even Albert Einstein admitted that the Big Bang was impossible. There had to be a God who did it. Sir Isaac Newton, Lord, he was one of yours. He was a follower of you, Jesus Christ, a brilliant mathematician, scientist. And Lord, we can go on and on. We don't have to check our brains in the door when we come to church. We can believe, God, we can believe. Will we believe? And Lord, I'm convinced it's not a matter of the mind. It's a matter of the will. Will I choose in my volition, in my heart, to surrender my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? He's worthy. He is worthy. One more time. I'm not here to harass you. I'm not here to intimidate you, manipulate you. But as God is my witness, one more time, will you be there? If not then you need, to, you need to pray this prayer with me, okay? Do it. In, in Jesus' name, do it. Say, God, you are God. Everything within me knows it. Every fiber in my being, every blood vessel in my body, every cell, every animal, every plant, everything shouts out that you are God. I believe. Jesus, you are who you say you are. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe. I repent. Come into my life. Listen to me, friend, with your head bowed and with your eyes closed. If you meant that, and you did that right right now, then listen to this. You will be part of the everlasting chorus praising the Lord. Welcome to the family of God. Listen, before you get in your car... Before you leave this campus, somehow, some way, you tell somebody what you just did, okay? Listen to me carefully, please, please. Tell somebody that you received Jesus Christ, you're serious, and you're going to follow Him. Father, I pray for our church. I pray, God, that as long as you tarry and you keep us here, that we will be a faithful church preaching the Bible, telling people the the truth, the hard truth. God, would you please protect us from 
those who would want to do us harm. God, would you please allow us until you come to be faithful. May there be a Great Hills Baptist Church until Jesus comes. And this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church family. I, whew, hallelujah. Amen. I would ask you to stand uh, to your feet. At this time in our service, in our tradition, your tradition may be a little bit different. But what we're about to do next is really a time of celebration. Some of you have prayed and you've given your life to Christ right here today. And you don't want to wait. You want to tell somebody. And I want you to come tell, tell somebody. Tell one of us guys up here. Others of you say, you know what, I just moved to Austin. Hello, this is, this is the church I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of Great Hills Baptist Church. And then you come on. We, we want to tell you what that entails, okay? Others of you today, you may just want to come to the altar. You just may want to praise the Lord, bow down on your face. And Brother Ken, you're right. When they were singing that song, I just about had a holy fit. And there was a part of me just wanted to bounce around like a bunny rabbit. I'm just, I'm not kidding you. I wanted just to bounce around up here, and I didn't want to bring any attention to myself, but that would have brought attention to myself. I'd be bouncing around. But I didn't know, I just wanted to praise Him. I just wanted to say, God, you are amazing. It's all I could do. I just bowed down on my face. And you may want to do that. Where, you, where you're seated, or here at the altar, Brother Terry, you lead us as you sing. God bless you. Amen.